Welcome back to Fathoms and Enneagram Podcast. There was Today, no pause. <laughs> well, but now you screwed it up. Okay, I'm going to keep going anyway. Uh, today is uh, a beautiful sunny day here in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, I see birds flying ahead above, and I'm just grateful to be alive. Uh, we are uh, debriefing a few episodes and introducing, uh, alluding, tipping our hats to some of the next ones as well. What are we, uh, what are we speaking about uh, today? What are we debriefing? What are we addressing? <laughs> <laughs> We're speaking about the aging episodes that we just had with Chloe. Clo- Clo- Chloe Raridge. Um, That's a great nickname Lowridge. for her, Chloe. And, and I just found this to be really, Lindsay, especially your interview with her just was really great. And actually when I was, when I was recording it um, and I found, I found the music for the meditation and I got chills and got a little teary at the end. Like, and <laughs> when I get, when I get emotional about the thing that I'm making, like that's, that's when you, that's when you, when you get it. That's the magic. So I'm curious for you all, what was the, what, what was there anything that, that was surprising for you in this, um, in this specific theme? How much she liked you guys. I don't know. That really surprised me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Are you expecting oh. her to not like us? <laughs> no, I, uh, I, um, I appreciated just addressing, um, Lindsay and I were talking a, a little bit about this yesterday. On Marco Polo, which, by the way, if you're not on the app Marco Polo, you should join because we are starting something brand new. I don't remember what it's called, though. Sharecast. Help me out. Sharecast. Lindsay, tell the people. Yeah, what is a Sharecast? What is Sharecast? Sharecast is a feature on Marco Polo, which is a free app by Zewe. So download it. And then if you go to, where should they go to get a link? You can get a link for it. And then you can just have access to us kind of answering your questions. You can ask us questions, send us videos, we'll respond. It'll be great. It'll be a way to connect with each other a little bit more personally. So we can put a link in the show notes. Yeah. Then, yeah. For those of you that don't know what Marco Polo is, the video messaging app. Um, and we, yeah, like Lindsay said, we're looking for ways to connect with you more asynchronously. If you're unsure of what the word is, I'm not sure if others will be. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, in ways that doesn't re- don't require any of us to be anywhere at any particular time or place. Um, but I, I did hear Marco Polo is supposedly like the kids are saying Marco Polo is like uh, Snapchat for grownups, um, which <laughs> I think is a terrible, absolutely. <laughs> Not accurate. Um, that is not a yeah, compliment. Yeah, because there's I can tell no you that. fun filters, first of all. <laughs> there are Second voice filters. Oh, that's true. I forgot Ooh. about the voice. Oh, yeah, we're going to be using true. the voice filters in our share cast. <laughs> Stay tuned wow. for that. Yes. Anyways, so continue, Abram. I just wanted to, yeah. Yeah, that's, I think it was helpful. Uh, asynchronous. Um, anyway, yeah. Uh, a, Lindsay and I were talking on Marco Polo and we had just brought up the idea that, that was addressed with Claire that uh, that second half of life, I, what I would even say is what is found in the gift of aging has nothing really to do with linear time, like getting older, the amount of years on your plate, but the amount of develop and, and development you have acquired or obtained or opened to. And she, she brought up that word, uh, 
letting go a lot. I feel like I think feel like that was at least brought up in the conversation mm-hmm. a lot, and um, that was just really appealing to me, and I think a really valuable insight um, because you know we, I'm sure, listeners, you have met plenty of um, older folks, seasoned adults who are grumpy, who are, you know, kind of have become kind of a caricature of themselves. And life kind of turns you, it seems as though, into um, a really grumpy old person or a really kind, open, you know, person who is yeah. uh, receptive to how the world is and, and just more loving. And I think um, that's one of the things that was um, brought up in the conversation that I really appreciated. I don't know if you all listened to the uh, Hidden Brain episode that I sent to you all, but it was it was about aging, and we can put that in the show notes as well. But really, really fascinating on, and the, she tells this story of meeting up with these these two best friends in a nursing home, and they they just spend all their time together. And she asks them, "Well, what do you?" why don't you like meet other people other than just spend all, all the time with each other? And it's like, we don't have time. And mm. on the surface level, it's like, <laughs> excuse me? You have all the time in the world. You have nothing else going on. But it's, no, we don't have time. We want to spend every moment of our lives with the person that we love the most. That's amazing. Um, when, when there's a finality to, when you're w- more aware of the finality of your existence, you value the things that are most important and want to drink deep into those. Yeah, I was I was struck by two dynamics of personhood with uh, persons who are in, you know, this third act of life that Claire talked about. Not only the wisdom that they have to offer that we often ignore or neglect in Western society, right? But simultaneous to that wisdom, I think is also this incredible potential for growth and development in your third act of life that I think that, People that who become, you know, the stereotypical grumpy curmudgeons, Abram, that you speak of, are those that are just foreclosed to the idea of growth and development, right? And I think that those that become incredibly kind and receptive and sweet are really open to continuing to grow and develop uh, and learn. And as a way to really maximize that time creek, you know, that they have left. They see the value in, in what truly matters and are willing to, uh, yeah, continue to pursue the things that, that really do matter with the time that they have left. And a good word for, uh, you know, a middle-aged guy like myself, <laughs> you know, to keep in mind as I enter that third act, right, when I do, yeah. Yeah, I, I think pain, um, that just makes me think pain makes you more real or more protected and defended. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, the older you get, you keep, you don't stop experiencing pain. And I feel like that's what people kind of close their heart down. Uh, mm-hmm. it's the, just the safest way to get older, really. Um, and, and I'm also then reminded of, uh, this other thing that I shared with, with y'all a while back when we were first starting this, I think starting this discussion from Richard Rohr, it's in his uh, collection of a bunch of different things, this book called Yes And, hmm. and the the title is called Smiling is a Form of Salvation. It says a bunch of things, and it gets down to, um, he says that this is why the holy old man can laugh and the holy old woman can smile. He heard recently that a typical small child smiles 300 times a day, and a typical old man smiles three times a day in our culture. 
And then he asks the question, so what's happened between six, six and 60? Whatever it tells me, whatever it is, it tells me that religion is not doing its job very well. <laughs> mm. um, <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm just, uh, I'm inspired by that and saddened by that. Um, but I think Claire's uh, kind of inspiration was to stay open, just to uh, keep practicing letting go um, so that we can, you know, I, I'm just even challenged to start now. Don't wait until I'm in my right. 50s or 60s. I'm close to getting 40 here. And I, I you know me, I started, I've, I've purchased a bunch of books on aging already. <laughs> um, aging well. There's a lot out there, actually, on how to age well, aging faithfully. It's great. So go get one of those. <laughs> yeah. DM Abram for his book list on aging. You know, the, the week that these episodes released, my grandfather passed away. And so I was listening through and it was just hitting home for me in a really personal way because I was thinking about how, you know, we were having these conversations. It's like, well, how can we engage this topic, this topic, you know? And, but then I'm watching it play out before my eyes, you know, over the course of a week or so. And I was talking with my brother uh, at the hospital, we were all kind of waiting around for news about my grandfather and next steps and everything. And we were talking about how we, we have so many grandparents just as a result of, of divorce and remarriage. We have literally, we counted up, we have 12 grandparents. And so we have observed how they are, it seems like at some point in their lives, they, they went through a lot of trauma, some mistakes, life hit really hard and there was just this, this dysfunction. Like we all have dysfunction, right? But my brother and I never really had to experience them working out their dysfunction on us because it was like, there was this silent agreement that they all made together. Like we are not going to let this brokenness be passed on. And so I was thinking about that, how important like you were saying, Abram, how important this work is to do, this inner work is to do in the second act. Because then by the time you get to the third act, you're going to be able to hand your your kids and your grandkids, your grandkids this life of peace, you know, this life of where there's room for the grief of life. There's room for the joy of life. Mm -hmm. There's room for sorrow and pain. But you get to experience it together in a way that feels more whole and more loving rather than getting attached to, you know, these ego structures we've been talking about or getting attached to your pain and your victimhood and your trauma. And that could have defined my family. You know, my grandpa could have let that define, my grandma could have let those things define our engagements and they didn't, they chose to look inward. And I, I feel so, so grateful for that because the, the result was our family together going through this really difficult process without dysfunction and without drama. And the hospital staff would say to us like repeatedly, we haven't seen a family like this. Like usually there's a lot more issues when families are going through these really difficult things together, because that's when all the personality stuff rises to the surface, right? That's sure. where all the clashes happen. And it was just so beautiful and so peaceful. And my grandpa did not have 
an easy life by any means. He did not have an easy life. And um, I feel really privileged to have watched him do that hard work, the inward journey, and watch the last days of his life be the fruit of that hard work. What a tribute, yeah. I'm wondering if, as we were having those conversations with Claire, did you guys have any fears around this idea kind of surface for you? Uh, Did you kind of feel that kind of catch in your throat? Like, this is going to happen to me. And like, what was that like for you? I don't, I don't know if there's an exact moment, but just, it's, it's just always helpful for me to, to constantly come back to the reality of the aging part. And that, I mean, even on, (laughs) I was running behind. So even on the, the brisk walk back to where I could record, I was listening to the episodes kind of refresh and just being really aware of there's going to be, yeah, there's going to be a moment where I can't walk this fast, right? <laughs> there's going to be a moment where th- it's the last time I'm going to hike him out. Mm. There's going to be, there's, there's always going to be these last moments that I won't know are my last moments to do certain things. And I think that it is very bittersweet. And I feel that like in my chest right now of mm. how, how deeply and saddening that is, but also makes me just want to drink it in every single time. So I think it's just the, both episodes were just a continual, I guess, meditation of life is moving mm. and are you paying attention? Yeah, I'm with Creek. Uh, I won't say it as poetically, though, uh, <laughs> uh, but that uh, I was reminded, it wasn't a specific moment of like maybe kind of a noticeable fear of what is it what does it look like to get older but i i would say um i have begun to uh some of those thoughts have surfaced a little bit more than they ever have in my life i would say recently um for lots of reasons but i was just reminded of um as you asked that question uh to that claire was talking about practicing dying now and you know, I think the more intensely attached to the ideal me that I am, the harder it's going to be for me to participate in that natural human season of letting go what once was, which means I think grief is a natural part of being human. So that anxiety of letting go of what I've always been, I've always been comfortable with, it just reminds me of the first quote of the conversation from uh, Kierkegaard who says, anxiety is the dizziness of freedom. And I think anxiety is it, it is can it can be a way in uh, a way in which something you can engage to, you know, it's a sign, it's a prompt, if you will, to uh, of something that can be let go, mm. something that I've attached. That's a really helpful way to think about it, anxiety. I have trouble articulating how I feel about you know Claire's encouragement to practice dying. <laughs> Is that how she said mm-hmm. it? I think uh, yeah. to practice dying now is I think it's both inspiring, encouraging, clarifying, you know, in some ways, um, clarifying, see what I did. There? Clarifying. Yeah. Well done. How about that? <laughs> I, so I, I, that's like the positive, like helpful side of it. There's also because, uh, you know, the finality of death <laughs> is, so prominent, the stakes seem pretty high, right? And I think 
those uh those that practice of dying and those deaths to self are painful i think mm-hmm. and do come with grief and it it i think if i'm afraid of anything it's the gr- the amount the sheer volume of grief that i i'm entering into in this second half of life right that just comes with being a human at my age you know that mm-hmm. that's uh, painful and difficult and yet essential <laughs> you know if for all all the ways in which it's good and natural and necessary. It's also really painful and and somewhat scary, I think. What are you most looking forward to about your third act? Whoa. Okay. I feel like I could go in a lot of directions here. Oh boy. Um, uh, I, since I was in high school, I weirdly, I weirded out my friends because I would tell them I'm excited to be, become an old guy. Uh, some of that is because, um, I have just sort of had this ideal in my mind that what it means to get old is that you don't ever stop maturing and becoming wiser and that the old me is the one that can, has learned to float on command because I have become, you know, just this guru of a guy, uh, (laughs) of a, of a being. Um, anyway, no, I, I just, I, 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 only now am I beginning to experience some of the fears of what it means to get old as I, you know, bump up against that reality beginning, beginning to, but I've always had a, a excitement about it actually for as long as I can remember. What was the specific question? What am I, what are you most looking forward to? I also, as my kids get older, I really look forward to the, the idea of like, all of my kids and their families, if they choose to have them, what what those times, what those full family gatherings are going to look like. I get so excited about it. And it hit me the other day um, as I was driving into my, my neighborhood. I saw a bunch of cars parked on the street at this one house. And I just noticed in my, in my body, like there was some level of excitement about that it's there's no party at my house it's the neighbors i don't even know them <laughs> but i was something about that and i just put a little attention on that and i realized i used to love when we would have the richmond that's my mom's last name richmond we would have the richmond family get-togethers and there would be tons of cars parked mm-hmm. at my house and those moments those times were so rich for me and so i i just think of those family get-togethers when my when my kids are older and they've all got families or or friends or whatever and it's just this one big you know party of being together as a as a navigator that's that's the thing that comes up for I me. love it that was going to be my answer I you know with five kids having them <laughs> grow up and scatter you know the the instances in which we can all be under the same roof will be truly special uh, so absolutely that. I would say also, I hope for a simplicity. <laughs> Doesn't n- not not a life of ease, but a simplicity of life that mm-hmm. comes with this stage uh, that we're talking about. That feels pretty elusive right now in in my current stage of life, which feels infinitely complex and mm-hmm. quite a bit of a grind, to be honest. So uh, I look forward to that. Yeah. I think there's a there's a a slower pace of life that's more acceptable, both to society and to my psyche. Hmm. Um, oh yeah. And I'm I'm looking 
because in theory, hopefully, I would have kind of found a rhythm, found found a thing that I wanted to devote my life to of sorts. And then it's just the, the decrescendo of a life well lived where it's it where the things that I enjoy become concentrated. Like like my kind of my previous answer of just I know I I know what I like. <laughs> right? It can be curmudgeon y or it can be actually very like wonderful. But I, I do think, yeah, the I if I continue at the way in which I approach life now all the way till I'm ninety five, right? I I'm gonna have so many stories. I'm gonna I, I'm going to be such a beautifully peaceful, unique person at my <laughs> old age. And I'm I'm really looking forward to meeting him. I would not really want to hang out with Curmudgeon Creek, though if that happens, I will love you. <laughs> I will love you anyway. Existential dread creek? Yes. Mm. No. I mean, yeah. Peaceful unique at, at creek. That point, Sounds great. Yes. I'll have a be smoking cigars in, in a lounge spouting off existential wisdom. Wearing hand knit argyle sweater vests yes. because you'll have learned From to Scotland. knit by then. Yeah, I don't know Ecclesiastes. That. I'm looking forward to lots of laughter. Mm. Short answer. Yes. Lots of laughter nice. and dancing and just making many, many memories. So people have lots of stories to tell about me when I'm gone. That's what I want. Yes. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so this this next theme we're jumping into, and it, it's a kind of a strange one, but I think it's really, really important, especially as we're working up to the season finale, and just the whole, just Enneagram in general. Mm-hmm. And, and so when we talk about ideology, what we're talking about is this, this set of values, beliefs, systems that you adhere to um, in order to operate well through life or operate, maybe it's not well, but operate in life, right? Um, these, the set of assumptions that you make um, to make life make more sense. Uh, so, Lindsay, tell me a little bit about why why you thought Andy would be a good fit for this season. Okay, I didn't actually. You did. Oh, Nike. No. Yes, we are having this conversation for the fifth time right now. We're recording it. <laughs> I needed to go on the record. I literally okay. sent you guys Andy's. Any okay, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Um, okay, just teasing. But it wow. it was your idea actually, Creek, because I sent you guys the. Um, Andy's post on Instagram about you are not your Enneagram number. And you were like, we should have him on the show. I was like, really? I can ask him. You're like, yeah, let's do it. I think it'd be great. <laughs> and then the conversation from there was, right. Lindsay, tell us why you wanted to have Andy on. No, no okay, that's fair. No, I, I do recall this. So my reasoning, yeah, okay, I guess, okay. in retrospect, <clears throat> uh, was so this this post that he that he um he put online was a, was kind of critiquing the the enneagram and how people use it, and it's it's actually very much in line with how we often critique of just it doesn't matter what number mm-hmm. you are, <laughs> like that that stop reducing yourself to a to a type blah blah blah. Um, you've heard us say that ad nauseum, and but I what I also wanted to demonstrate and just really push upon um, as important is in order for us to see more clearly, in order to 
have a better sense of a clearer sense of what we think and act, how we think, act, and feel and believe. We need people to push against our ideas, mm-hmm. against our our beliefs, because because maybe the thing that you've accepted your entire life isn't actually working as it should, yeah, or isn't actually working at all. And and wouldn't you want something that works better? Yeah. But it's really scary for someone to critique or to push against the things that you hold dear. So inviting Andy on was in some ways like, hey, critique the Enneagram. How does it fall short? How is it perceived from outside of this insular community Mm -hmm. that we're a part of? And on a broader scale, I mean, anything that we use needs to be pushed Mm -hmm. against. Not, Not out of let's burn the whole thing down because everything is stupid and dumb and all of it is a construct. No, we need tools to interface with, with the world, but is it the best tool? So, uh, how did this episode hit you all? Um, what was, what was, what did you walk away from it with? I felt, I, I felt tension honestly during the episode and I don't know, like, and Abram, maybe you can relate to this, but I am a two, but I did score really high in nine also. And so I think that anytime people push on anything, it just creates a little bit of a disturbance in me, which I've learned to, to see as a good thing. Thank you to my wonderful husband for giving me lots of practice in this area. <laughs> um, but it's just, it, it's hard for me. So I have to kind of just take a deep breath and be like, why is this hard for me? What is this? pushing on in me that maybe needs to be knocked over or, or looked at a little more closely. So full disclosure, I, I felt a little tense during that recording. And, um, I loved so much of what, what Andy had to say. And I do really appreciate hearing from people who aren't as invested in the Enneagram as I am. just hearing how loosely they hold things like personality tests and also seeing that they're living lives that feel really fulfilling and satisfying to them without investing so deeply in something that I've invested in. And so it's just a, it's a really great way to, to, to be reminded not to attach to the Enneagram too much. I was reading or listening to, I forget, consuming content in some format Mm. from Gabor Mate, who said that people have two needs, uh, attachment and authenticity. And then when authenticity threatens attachment, attachment trumps authenticity. Mm. Uh, And so because we're social beings, right, we want to stay connected to people and we are willing to forsake what is true about us. And I think for the sake of systems, like there's nothing inherently wrong with systems. They're super valuable and super important and how I think something can grow and be sustained and maintained. You need systems. But systems are also, if they're left unattended, are how a human being or, or large groups of people get forgotten. And, yeah. and, those, and those groups or those systems, you know, tend to wrap around the majority's best or, or the favorable or the algorithms that work with, you know, culturally, what is the ideal? What, what you were saying, Creek, about pushing against systems. Yeah. I'm just, what I, what I especially appreciated uh, as, as we go into this conversation is uh, that, 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 uh, that, that phrase curiosity killed the cat. Well, that's just a way to say 
careful, don't mess with the system that's working, you, whatever. You know, I think curiosity didn't kill the cat. It's just the way to keep everybody in line, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Don't get too curious because you'll mess with the system that's working and uh, power needs to be, you know, you're messing with, well, I have all this power and then you're, you're, it's going to start being yeah. taken, taken away if you're messing with the system. Anyway, you're messing with a system that's working for those in power. Exactly. Yes. It's not that the system's working for everybody. Yeah. So yeah. I really, really, really think, especially the larger the system, the more uh, conscious practices it needs to have set up. And so mm-hmm. I, I just think this voice is especially one gifted towards uh, helping us ask questions to, towards stuff that maybe has been left. Uh, to their own devices for too long. Obviously, there's there's so much more that I want to say on this topic. I mean, we've obviously already listened to it and whatnot, but we'll save that for the actual debrief of the episode. But I, I just, I guess, I want to invite the listener to. Um, there's there's things in there's things in this episode that I don't agree with, but but the underlying but the underlying energy that we're trying to cultivate and what Andy and us were trying to cultivate was just this this con- this uh, intentional intense curiosity of is this actually working and being brave enough to ask those questions mm. um, and so even if you don't necessarily relate to everything Andy says the energy of mm, what else is what's more true here is there something even deeper that I could push into I just invite the listener to kind of approach this episode with that posture, and I think you'll get you'll get a lot out of it. So, uh, with that, thank you, everyone, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fathoms and Enneagram Podcast. If you found this episode helpful in any way, consider sharing it with a friend or family member. We are so honored to be on this journey with you, discovering our inner depths one fathom at a time. Truthwork Media Studios.